and welcome to another edition of the Christian Faith Radio Hour. This is David Campfield, and I originally recorded this program on the Lord's Day, February 4th, 2024. And it was going to be part of the previous episode, but then I just felt that was uh, too much to get, get into in one program. And so I decided to break it into two programs. In that program, I was talking about Christ as our good land, as pictured by the experience of the children of Israel in the Old Testament, journeying from the land of Egypt into the good land. And so in this episode, I go on and develop that thought. And I hope you find it helpful. Welcome back. I want to spend um, most of this segment, just about all of this segment, to consider a very important principle that we can draw from this picture of the journey of the children of Israel. There's something really important we need to see about that picture. But the first thing I want to do is to go back and review that picture to be sure we really have a clear understanding of it. Now, I was very fortunate because as a young believer, I was taught this matter very clearly, very early on in my Christian life. And so this is something that's been with me for quite a long time. And the reason why that is, is that not long after I was saved, I was brought under the ministry of Brother Witness Lee, who was a co-worker of Watchman Nee. I was saved in uh, March of 1983, and I touched the church life on February 21st, 1984, which almost exactly 40 years ago. It'll be uh, exactly 40 years in just a few weeks, which is you know quite something. Sometimes it's very good when we have that type of a anniversary with the Lord, to have some consideration before the Lord about what it means and the significance of these events in our lives. Uh, it's very good to have that kind of a memorial before the Lord sometimes. So that's coming up for me, the 40th anniversary of being in the church life. And Witness Lee, in his ministry, always stressed very much this picture of God bringing the children of Israel into the good land as a picture of how we are brought into the experience of Christ. One book in particular of his that I want to recommend, and um, a good deal of what I'm sharing in this episode is drawn from this book, is called The All-Inclusive Christ. The All-Inclusive Christ by Witness Lee, and I'll, I'll link to that below. Uh, but that, that's where he gets into this picture of Christ as our good land. It's just a wonderful study, mainly of uh, just a few verses in Deuteronomy chapter 8, where God describes the, or Moses rather, describes the riches of the good land. It's just a wonderful, wonderful study of how we experience Christ as our good land in the first part of the book. And then secondly, what are the stages, the steps by which we can enter into Christ as our good land? So just a marvelous study of, uh, of this history of the children of Israel. Uh, now, I, I have to be clear when I recommend a book by Brother Lee, as I like to do on this program, I have nothing to do with the organization that publishes his books called Living Stream Ministry. And I'm not involved uh, any longer with the churches that are affiliated with the Living Stream Ministry. We went through a, a church split a number of years ago. The whole thing was kind of stupid and unnecessary, but it happened. What can you say? It happened. And uh, but So I'm not involved with them, and frankly, I don't encourage others to be involved with uh, that fellowship of churches. They're dear saints, they really are. They love the Lord. Uh, but I don't think they're being faithful to what the Lord committed to us through his servant, Watchman Nee, and after him, Witness Lee. 
and I have a book about this, and I'll link to that below. Uh, I'm sorry I have to share about this, but I have to be clear because I don't want people to think that I'm encouraging people to get involved in that fellowship. So I always have to kind of mention that as a caveat. But I do still very, very much appreciate the ministry of Witness Lee and feel it's a real uh, benefit for the saints who can be in it. And I know it was a tremendous blessing to me to be under his ministry uh, for so many years as there was in his conferences and things. You just... The spiritual benefit I received from those times, I'll just always be thankful to the Lord for. When he ministered, so many times you just had a sense the heavens were open and you were just seeing visions of what was on the Lord's heart. And I, I've never seen anybody else um, share like that. And uh, there are some people uh, who don't like Witness Lee and they'll say this or that about them, but I can tell you, uh, I know what I saw. I know what I saw when I was under his ministry and I always appreciate him very much and I'll be eternally grateful to the Lord for bringing me under his ministry, and I'll be so thankful to Witness Lee for how he labored to open up the Lord's Word to us, how he labored on behalf of the saints and the churches, and really sacrificed himself to that end. Thank the Lord for that. But as I say, he very much stressed this picture of the journey of the children of Israel from Egypt into the good land. And I've stressed before, uh, when I've been sharing about the the Passover, that the purpose of the Passover was to get the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. And of course, as a picture of redemption, the significance of that is that we should not think that we are redeemed simply so that our sins can be forgiven. We should not have that concept. Peter, when he stood up on the day of uh, Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verse 40, he told the Jews in Jerusalem, be saved from this crooked generation. It wasn't just to be saved from going to hell, be saved from this crooked generation. Right now, you need to experience a real salvation. You, you need to come out now. Don't wait to come out. And I'll say this again. I think it bears repeating over and over. The focus of the New Testament is not that people are dying without Christ. The focus of the New Testament is that people are living without Christ. It is really so. And no doubt, to be saved from eternal damnation is a great matter. And when we preach the gospel, when we have that transfer and the assurance our sins are forgiven, that's just a wonderful, wonderful blessing. Praise the Lord for that. But that's not the goal of the New Testament. The goal of the New Testament is, through the preaching of the gospel is, that to, is to gain disciples who will stand with the Lord for the building up of his kingdom on the earth. That's the real focus of the New Testament preaching of the gospel. And so you have these arguments today over whether or not you can have the assurance of salvation, you know, whether or whether if you uh, aren't faithful to Christ, do you lose your salvation? Those debates, they all miss the point. And I would say strongly, yes, once saved, always saved. For sure, I believe that. But that's not the goal of the New Testament. The goal of the New Testament is, are you becoming a disciple of Christ to live for his kingdom on the earth? And that should be our focus when we preach the gospel. Not just that people would have their sins forgiven, but that they would be gained for God's kingdom on the earth. That should be the message we're bringing to people and sharing with people when we share the gospel with them today. Uh, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, Paul says, Christ gave himself to draw us out of this present evil age. It's really so. That's the New Testament view of the gospel, not just something for the future. Thank the Lord that's included when we believe in Christ. But today, 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 God wants to gain a people for his kingdom. But when I say that the, the purpose of the Passover was to get the people out of the land of Egypt, that's on the negative side. On the positive side, his, God's goal was to bring the people into the good land. 
And you see that when Moses told Pharaoh why the children of Israel needed to leave Egypt, he said it was so they could hold a feast unto the Lord. In Exodus chapter 10, verse 8, Pharaoh says to Moses, okay, who's going to go when you leave Egypt? In verse 9, Moses says, we will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds, we will go, for we must hold a feast unto the Lord. And it's really so. God wanted to bring the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt so they could be with him in the wilderness and feast unto the Lord with him in the wilderness and eventually in the good land. Saints, our life today should be a feasting life, a life of feasting on Christ. That's what the Lord wants to bring us into. He wants to bring us into a real feast unto himself, a feast with Christ together with God and with all of his saints. That's what the Lord has for us. That's his goal for us. Negatively, yes, he wants to bring us out of slavery, out of the land of Egypt. Positively, he wants to bring us into the good land so we can feast unto the Lord and enjoy the Lord, enjoy Christ together with all the saints. And, of course, the children of Israel could do some feasting with the Lord while they wandered in the wilderness. They had uh, the heavenly manna God provided for them, and there were some feasts that they were to keep in the wilderness. But the real feasting with the Lord took place in the good land. Then they had the rich produce of the good land, much, much richer than what they had in the wilderness. And there were a number of other feasts that they didn't have in the wilderness that they could keep in the good land. And they would go up three times a year to Jerusalem. And again, this signifies today that we need to be those who are feasting on Christ and enjoying all the riches of Christ as our good land. In the Old Testament, when the children of Israel enjoyed the good land, that brought in God's kingdom And eventually, it brought in the temple as God's dwelling place. And as Witness Lee always stressed with us, today, in the same way, if we feast and enjoy Christ and the riches of Christ, eventually, God's kingdom on the earth will be brought forth in the church, and the church as God's dwelling place, as his house, will be manifested on the earth. So just as the Old Testament picture shows us that the enjoyment of the Israelites of the good land produced God's kingdom and God's dwelling place. Today, the saints' enjoyment of Christ produces the reality of God's kingdom and the reality of God's dwelling place. And that's why it's so important for us to enter into the experience of Christ as our good land and the enjoyment of all the riches in Christ, because that's what is going to produce God's kingdom and God's dwelling place. So I just want to try to impress you with that picture. And again, if, uh, if this is new to you, I strongly encourage you to get a copy of Witness Lee's book, The All-Inclusive Christ, which, as I say, I'll link to below because he goes into this in much, much more detail in, in a wonderful way. I've gone through that book at least a couple times. So helpful to, to really see this picture. So if we're really clear about this picture of Christ being our good land, and how we need to enjoy him as our good land for the building up of God's kingdom and God's house on the earth, then we can consider this principle that I really want us to see from this picture, the children of Israel's journey from Egypt to the good land. And that principle is simply this, that as the believers in Christ, we should always be growing in our enjoyment and experience of Christ, and we should always be enlarged in our 
experience of the riches of Christ. He should be more and more to us every day. We should just have a fuller, fuller realization of who Christ is, how he's provided for us, of all his riches that he gives to us, the spiritual riches. We want to be growing in this kind of relationship with Christ every day as the believers in Christ. If we're not growing, something's not right. Something's not right. There are periods we'll go through when we're somewhat dormant spiritually. I mean, that's normal. That's somewhat like a a plant will go through a a somewhat dormant period sometimes. But then it'll have another burst of growth. If we don't experience the real growth in Christ, it's a strong indication something is wrong with our Christian life because normally as the believers in Christ, we should be growing in our relationship with Christ. You know, to consider this matter of how we need to grow, look at the picture of the children of Israel. God never told them that his goal for them was that they would keep the Passover. And he never told them, my goal for you is that you would be in the wilderness. They needed to have the Passover and they needed to get into the wilderness, but that was not God's goal for them. God's goal for them was absolutely to bring them into the good land. That's where he wanted the children of Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 7 to 10, Moses tells the children of Israel, the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. You see, that's what God wanted for them, was this good land. The Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. That was God's goal for the children of Israel, to enjoy all the riches of the good land, because unless they did that, they could not be his kingdom on the earth, and his temple could not be built up. And I should say, all the items that uh, Moses speaks of here typify different aspects of Christ that we need to enjoy. And Witness Lee brings this out in his book, The All-Inclusive Christ. And so in the same way, the good land was God's goal for the children of Israel. God today is not satisfied if we only have redemption, just like the children of Israel had the Passover. And he's not satisfied if we are only separated from the world, just like the children of Israel were separated from the land of Egypt and the wilderness. His goal is to bring us into Christ as our good land, just as his goal was to bring the children of Israel into the good land in the Old Testament. And in the previous podcast, I talked about the verses in the New Testament where you see this, Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 really bring out this point. Christ is really our good land. We've been transferred out of Satan's kingdom into the kingdom of the Son of God's love, just as the children of Israel were transferred from Egypt into the good land. And in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, God tells us we should be walking in Christ. We're rooted in, in him and being built up in him with our fellow believers in Christ. That is why it's so important for us to enter into the experience of Christ as our good land. Because as we're growing in Christ, it's only as we're growing in Christ in this way that the church can really become God's kingdom on the earth and God's dwelling place. 
as his testimony on the earth today. And I want to be clear, when I say growing in Christ, I don't mean, you know, we need to have more knowledge of the Bible. And that's what it means to grow in Christ. Well, again, I'll say that for sure we should have more knowledge of the Bible. I, I always, you know, especially in these, this day and age, to be sanctified, how we need to be in the word. John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. You know, I just realized recently I was looking at that. Uh, and in verse 16, that's where Jesus says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. But then in the next verse, he explains how can that become practical to us is when we are in the word, when we're sanctified in the word, then practically speaking, that's when we're not going to be of the world. If we're not in the word, we will be of the world. We have to have that sanctifying work of God's word within us. So I'm not saying that's not important. It's absolutely crucial. But that is not directly what it means to grow in Christ, to just to have more Bible knowledge, as good as that is, and uh, more understanding of the truth that's in the Bible, yes. But that's not what it means to grow in Christ. And, and some people feel there's, there's other outward characteristics we may have that mark the Christian life. You know, we're abstaining from the worldly things more. Uh, that can be very good. But these outward things are not what it means to grow in Christ. When we're talking about growing in Christ... We can say that it means that very, very literally. We are growing in Christ. That means we are growing in our appreciation of Christ. We're growing in our enjoyment of Christ. We're growing in the extent to which he is in us and the extent to which we are in him, in our experience. There's an objective aspect. Yes, we're fully already in Christ, objectively. But practically, how much has that really been worked out in our daily life? We really need to consider that. Look at Philippians chapter 3. I'm not going to go there now, but that's where it talks about really knowing Christ. And Paul went through a long process to really enter into the real experience of Christ. It's not a once-for-all thing when you're saved. There's that daily experience we should have in terms of us being brought into Christ and Christ being brought into us. Very often that happens through the Word, through the ministry of the Word. I hope as I'm speaking, as I'm sharing, maybe something of Christ is being imparted into your being. We need to pray. That would be the case. That should be the goal of all genuine ministry. But it's not just ministry. It's not just being in the Word. It means day by day we're having dealings with the Lord. We're experiencing Him in our daily life. But that should be what we are after, is to grow in Christ to the extent that we are in Christ and grow in the extent to, in the extent to which Christ is in us. And you see this in the Colossians chapter 1, verses 27 through 29. This is what the apostle struggled for. Let me just read those verses. He's talking about the saints to whom God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That was the whole focus of his ministry, was to unveil to the saints Christ in you, the hope of glory. Then he goes on, verse 28. Whom we proclaim, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man full-grown in Christ. The sense here, full-grown in the measure of Christ that is within us and full-grown in the sense of how much we are in Christ. That was the apostle's struggle. And that is, is as those of us who seek to serve the Lord, 
and really the labor of all the saints, that should be our focus. How much are we bringing the saints into Christ? How much are we bringing Christ into the saints? That was Paul's struggle. He goes on in verse 29, For which also I labor, struggling according to his working, which works in me in power. That was really the focus of the Apostle Paul's labor, and it should be our focus as well, is to bring saints into the experience of Christ in a greater and greater and greater degree. I just want to take a minute to remind the listeners that this program is being produced in connection with my website, which is thechristianfaith.org. I hope you'll visit that. I think there's a number of very useful resources on there to help you with your spiritual growth, with your walk with the Lord, and with your serving of the Lord, and to have a view of what God's purpose is. If you want to subscribe to our e-letter, which we send out a couple times a week, just click on the subscribe link there. And if you'd like to contact us, If you have comments or questions about the program or about the Christian life in general, you can send us a note at notes at thechristianfaith.org. So let's let's look at this picture now of the journey of the children of Israel. And of course I've shared uh, recently about the Passover, which is a wonderful picture of the redemption of Christ. There is so much there. He's the, the, the lamb who's without spot and without blemish. The blood gets uh, struck on the doorway of the house. We enter into the house, we, signifying we enter into Christ, and there we feast on Christ as our Passover lamb. Just a marvelous picture of what it means to abide in Christ and to have Christ abiding in us because we're partaking of him as the Passover lamb. And we partake of him there as the unleavened bread, the purity of his sinless life. There's just so much in this picture uh, of the Passover. But you compare that with what the children of Israel were able to experience in the wilderness. Of course, they went through a, a, a big journey. Uh, they had a number of experiences in the wilderness, which have a lot of spiritual significance. Eventually, they came to the mountain and they saw this vision of God on the mountaintop. Then Moses goes up to the mountain And he receives the law and the vision of the tabernacle and eventually of the priesthood. And so the saints, the children of Israel at that time, I should say, build up the tabernacle as God's dwelling place. And then the glory of God fills the tabernacle. Then from the tabernacle, God goes on. He tells Moses, okay, here's how you can come to me with the offerings, with the burnt offering, with the meal offering, with the peace offering with the sin offering, with the trespass offering, all these different aspects of, uh, all these different offerings that signify different aspects of the work of Christ on the cross and what he is to us. There's simply no way you could compare the Feast of Passover with all these wonderful items that you see in the wilderness. Do you see the extent to which, in a sense, the children of Israel grew in their realization of God and his purpose? And do you see how that shows us how much we need to go on to grow in our appreciation of Christ and of God's purpose? Of course, the tabernacle signifies the church as God's dwelling place. The priesthood is the priesthood of all the believers. And you have these wonderful sacrifices of Christ that signify so many different aspects of of Christ, as I say. And again, that shows us how we need to grow so much more in our realization of Christ and our appreciation of Christ. Don't just stay in the Passover. 
so to speak. Don't just stay in the redemptive work of Christ. We, there's so much more of Christ for us to enter into. And I'll speak a very uh, frank, very honest word here. The reason why so many saints today, the only thing they know about Christ really has to do with his redemptive work is because so many believers in Christ have never really left, so to speak, the land of Egypt. They have never really come out of Satan's world system. In a very real sense, they accepted the compromises with that Pharaoh offered to the, Moses and the children of Israel that uh, Satan would offer us today. You know, go sacrifice in the land. And uh, th- these different compromises we've talked about in some of the previous episodes. They're still in the land of Egypt. They're still under Satan's world system. And so the only experience you can really have there is the experience of the Passover, is the experience of redemption of Christ as our Passover lamb. And so, so many churches today, that's all they can really say a lot about is the fact that Christ died for our sins and so we can be forgiven. There's so much more of Christ for us to enter into. But if we're not able to enter into that, then that's a very strong sign. We have not yet really had that clean break with Satan's world system. It's when we had that break then we get into the wilderness, so to speak. The world becomes a wilderness to us, and then we can really begin to enter into something uh, of a much, much fuller experience of the riches of Christ and of all that he is to us in the tabernacle and in the priesthood and in all the offerings that you see there in the wilderness. But, of course, that's not all in this journey. God's ultimate goal for the children of Israel was to bring them into the good land, so they could enjoy the riches of the good land and eventually build up the city of Jerusalem and then the temple as God's dwelling place. Well, you compare that with what they had in the wilderness, and again, there's just no comparison. As wonderful as the tabernacle and the offerings and the priesthood were in the wilderness, there's no way they can compare to that whole land as a type of Christ. And to have this solid city, Jerusalem, built up on the earth, and the temple so much greater than the, the tabernacle in the wilderness, so much more solid. And again, that signifies there is always so much more for us to enter into in our experience of Christ. The wilderness signifies that we have been separated from the world, and that gives the Lord the ground to do so much more within us, so much more of a work within us. But to enter into the good land is something so much deeper. You know, to get into the Egypt... The, to get into the wilderness, rather, the children of Israel, they had to pass through the Red Sea. And that signifies the waters of baptism in, in which we're crucified to the world, the world's crucified to us, as the Apostle Paul says in uh, Galatians chapter 6. But to enter into the good land, they had to cross over the Jordan. They had to go through so many more experiences. And something of them was left in the Jordan. It signified the, those rocks, the 12 rocks there that were left in, in the Jordan signifying they have really entered into the practical experience of the death of Christ. In other words, the way you enter into the good land very much involves the death of the self-life. And right when they, when they get into the good land, the first thing that happened was they got circumcised. To enter into the good land means your flesh has to be dealt with. These are much, much deeper experiences, spiritually speaking. Uh, and I'll, I'll plug that book again. Witness Lee talks about the different ways in which we take possession of the good land. There's a lot more to it than that. But there's 
through these deeper experiences, we enter into a deeper and richer experience of Christ to the point he eventually becomes our good land. And then through that, God's kingdom is established on the earth, earth and the church is built up as a dwelling place of God. That is what the Lord is really after for us today. When we enter into that richer, fuller experience of Christ, so much more than we have before we're dealt with by the Lord in a thorough way. Just consider how much greater the temple in the good land was compared to the tabernacle in the wilderness. If you look at Second Chronicles chapter 4, just look at the, uh, the measurements here, beginning with verse 1. He made a bronze altar. Twenty cubits was its length, twenty cubits its width, and ten cubits its height. The, uh, in the wilderness, the, the bronze altar was five cubits by five cubits. I think it was uh, three cubits tall. So much bigger than what you had in the wilderness. Verse 2, he made a sea of cast bronze, ten cubits from one brim to the other. It was completely round. In the tabernacle in the wilderness, you don't know how big the laver was, but surely, corresponding to the altar here, the, the laver must have been so much bigger. But what it does tell you in Second Chronicles chapter 4, in verse 6, he made ten lavers. So in addition to the main laver, you have these ten lavers on the side of the courtyard in the temple. And he made ten lampstands, verse 7, ten tables for the showbread. In the tabernacle, again, you had one lampstand and one showbread table. Here you have ten lampstands and ten showbread tables. Everything in the temple is so much enlarged. Of course, the lampstand signifies Christ as our light. The showbread table signifies Christ as our food. So this signifies we're entering into a much, much richer experience of Christ in these, in these aspects. And even the, the uh, Holy of Holies in the temple was 20 cubits by 20 cubits by 20 cubits. In the tabernacle, it was 10 cubits by 10 cubits by 10 cubits. And I did the math on that. Basically, the Holy of Holies in the temple was eight times as big as the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. That's where we experience God himself directly and Christ as the ark in the Holy of Holies where we really meet with God. And you, so you see so much more, so much bigger, so much enlarged experience of Christ in the temple, signified by Christ in the temple compared to in the tabernacle. The one thing that's not enlarged in the temple, there's one thing that's not enlarged in the temple, and that is the Ark itself, the Ark of the Covenant, which, of course, is a type of Christ. And that signifies that Christ himself has not been enlarged. Christ himself is the same. He hasn't changed. But what has changed is our experience of Christ. Both the temple and the tabernacle are produced out of our experience of Christ. And we enter into a much larger experience of God's dwelling place because our experience of Christ has been enlarged. Our view, our vision of Christ has been enhanced. And we have deeper and richer experiences of Christ as our life. And that's why the temple is so much bigger than the tabernacle. Because when we as the believers in Christ really deal with the Lord, deal with our self-life, deal with our flesh, really experience the death and resurrection of Christ, then we enter into so much more in terms of our daily experience of Christ. He becomes so much more to us. I just love this picture, how it shows we're always, always, always growing, 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 and should be growing in Christ and allowing Christ to grow in us to the point eventually 
He really becomes our good land. We're walking in Christ, as Paul says, to go back to those verses in Colossians. We're walking in Christ. We're being rooted in him, and we're being built up with the other saints in Christ. That is God's goal for us. Then we have the marvelous expression of the city, Jerusalem, and of the temple as God's dwelling place. And I just hope we can be so impressed with that picture because there's so little building up of the church today because Christians simply aren't entering into the real experience of Christ. So I just want to impress you in this episode of the podcast. We should have a desire, a real heart, a prayer before the Lord. Lord, bring me into an experience of Christ that is so much richer, so much fuller. The real experience of Christ is my good land. So you can have your dwelling place on the earth. Lord, make that so in my life. Help me to deal with you as I should in all the experiences I have in my daily life. Not to let you go, but to be so exercised before you. You could really work out in me all that's on your heart so you can have your dwelling place on the earth. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Christian Faith Radio Hour. For more resources, you can visit thechristianfaith.org, which is my website. If you'd like to receive my e-letter, just click on the subscribe link there and enter your email address. And to connect with us by email, just send us a note at notes at thechristianfaith.org. Until next time, may the Lord keep you in His way for His sake and His glory. In Jesus' name, amen.